Hey guys, it's another Q&A Tuesday, this time coming to you via a podcast as promised on my YouTube channel. Just don't have the time to tape these and put them out on YouTube with everything we have going on with our gray market show. Uh, let's kick right in. A uh, question from Franco. The Rolex game gone crazy to the point where real collectors aren't getting them, only dealers and investors who may never wear the watches do. What's the real future for a brand that is slowly dying for its real fans? Once the huge bubble bursts, shall we see another Panerai Syndrome Franco? Uh, hmm. Should I answer this properly? Well, let's just start with the fact that a Rolex is the number one selling most popular brand in the world. Always has been and always will be. No bubble, no market shift, no economical shift will ever affect this brand. This is not a brand that's, I guess, uh, a brand that could suffer from uh, a market downshift or a bubble as a lot of people like to call it. I don't foresee a bubble coming anytime soon. Perhaps there will be market corrections as the economy sort of fluctuates, which is natural to the luxury goods sector. Rolex is so far number one. If Rolex were to be sitting on a 10th floor in the building, uh, number two would be somewhere in the basement. You can't compare Panerai to Rolex. Panerai was a brand that was revived and later bought over by the Richmond Group. Uh, Panerai lost its appeal due to the fact that it didn't have a big enough market share, enough popularity to sort of sustain them, more or less coming out with the same thing over and over and over and over, right? Uh, it, it quickly lost its appeal of limited editions. It hit the market as everything being limited. There was a big hype about it. A lot of Panaristas were created and people were going crazy buying these limited editions. And then year in, year out, Panerai continued making limited edition models, right? And that lost its appeal very, very quickly. Till this day, they make watches and editions of X, right? one out of X, this out of X, et cetera, et cetera. There are some true limited editions, and there are limited editions that are made year in, year out. So this year, they're going to make this many pieces of PAM 112, for example. And next year, they made another uh, X amount of pieces. When the 08 crisis hit, that's when these new and upcoming brands more or less felt it, right? And that's when Panerai fell off, and they really never picked back up. There's still a true following for Panerai. There's still a lot of guys out there that are diehard Panerai fans, and they're still purchasing those watches. But you can't talk about Panerai and Rolex in the same sentence. Rolex is in a league of its own and there's nobody next to it. There's, they are the guys that have been making the same thing over and over and over for years and years and yet they stay at the, they stay at the top. They also produce many, many more pieces than other brands out there and yes, they, yet they manage to stay at the top. Rolex is the first money watch. Rolex is the most recognizable watch in the world. Rolex, again, is in a league of its own. So for you to say that, uh, what is it, the... Uh, the brand is slowly dying to his fans uh, because it's only dealers and investor who buy these things and never wear the watches. That's false. That's absolutely false. The Rolex brand is stronger than ever for its retail clients. Do you have guys out there paying double retail for stainless steel Rolexes just to have one? Does that tell you that the real fans are dying? They're not. In fact, Let's back this up by some numbers. I'm going to go into my books and I'm going to pull up numbers. I'm going to pull up a report of sales year to date. Hang on. And I'm going to pull it on Rolex. So it is now August 8th, right? Now, mind you, my fiscal year starts in February. So we have uh, February. Now, mind you, my fiscal year starts uh, in February. So we're really about five months into my year. So let's customize this report and pick item Rolex. So, year to date, we have 15.3 million in sales of Rolex. Now, to be fair, we're a wholesale and a retail company. Let's see how many of those sales are actually 
a retail sale. So I'm going to customize the report even further. And let's see. Out of that 15.3 million, 6.3 million were sold to dealers, which leaves $9 million sold to retail clients. So contrary to old belief, if you think that retail clients aren't buying watches at these price levels, we're, we're going back five months. Right, we're going back literally five months. So, just I can tell you firsthand. I can't speak for other deals. I'll tell you firsthand. It's not only dealers and investors that are buying these watches and never wear them. People buy them. People wear them. People enjoy them. And the reason to do so is because it's still the number one brand. There's no bubble coming. There's no huge bubble coming. Okay, and you will not see a Panerai syndrome. A Panerai syndrome is due to what Panerai has done in the past by not reinventing themselves year in year out, making the same thing over and over. Rich my group pumping them out making money uh, or making back their investment when they initially bought them and the result is here. Panerai is not Rolex. You can't do what Rolex does. Nobody can do what Rolex does and be successful and that's just the bottom line. Anyway, next question. Would love to hear your thoughts on the new display models and the three watch limited Rolex AD. Would that help the gray market dealers by drive up the, the desire for those watches? Of course, it, it doesn't help the gray market dealers. It helps Rolex in general and this is from Bawa. I'm sorry if I didn't get your name right. Uh, the three the three watch limit at Rolex AD. Why not? If I'm a Rolex AD and I only get an, an X amount of goods and I have and I have so much demand where. Um, I can't keep up with my demand. A, a average Rolex AD, their demand is probably 100 times that of the supply that they get. So why not limit the stuff? And as far as, um, what is it, uh, the new display models, this is just Rolex's AD way of cashing in on the hype where they can take a display model or use model for say and sell it for double list of what's market price today uh, while making more money. Do I blame them? Absolutely not. Guys, think back to when these authorized dealers sat there with millions of dollars worth of goods and had to discount and compete against guys like us and things of that nature. Right now is their time to shine and having a Rolex line is like winning the lottery in today's market, right? So all they're doing is they're cashing in. I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all because again, to go back to what I discussed in the past before, think about the times when these guys had to go out there and buy platinum presidents with diamond dials and diamond bezels, you know, ladies pearl masters that are 29 millimeters or, or, or 33 millimeter tiny little watches that would sit on their shelves forever and they would end up selling at a cost or sometimes even at a loss, right? Every single dealer out there that sells watches doesn't look at a single sale as a single sale. They look at overall numbers, right? So they look at overall sales. Right now, it's time for them to make that abnormal profit. These things don't last forever. Uh, economies are cyclical. Everything is in a curve. So I don't blame him for doing that whatsoever. Next one is from Gary. See, Roman and Adrian turned down $20,000 watches for being $100 too expensive. If the profit margins are so tight, how do you manage to pay a decent commission to the sales team? What is a typical commission on a $50,000 watch? Well, Gary, I've talked to you guys before. Well, Gary and everyone else, I've talked to you guys about our average margins, right? And our average margins are anywhere from 10 to 14%. Again, depending on the year, depending on the market, like this particular year, we're going to have a higher margin than usual because the market was on its way up as we are selling watches. A clear example of that is that sometimes you purchase a watch, you receive it three weeks later or four weeks later, and by that time, the price of the watch has gone up, therefore increasing your margins. As far as my salespeople are concerned, the formula is very simple. They make 10% of the profit. So you can sort of do the math. If my salesperson sells a $50,000 watch, and let's say the profit is 10%, which is $5,000, he will make $500. Hope that answers your question. Uh, another one coming in from Diego. Diego writes, which watch did you once adamantly hated, but later came to love? 
Well, it's a very tough question because I've been doing this for quite a while. There were a lot. There were lots of watches that came through that I hated, and then, you know, all of a sudden I loved. It's uh, it's a tough question to answer. So I'll I'll pick something recent. That recent one would be the AP Concept Marvel watch, aka the BBC watch, right? That we all talked about. When I initially saw that watch on pictures, right? When they first released the pictures for a while, they weren't releasing anything. When they first released the picture, I was like, holy crap, they murdered the concept, right? Uh, the purple color. Uh, you know, the Marvel figure, which I felt made the watch comical, right, if you will, right? Uh, lots of things about it on a picture didn't sit right with me. The only thing I had to look forward to is the fact that it's a concept that's now 42 millimeters that I could possibly wear because I told you guys before the AP Concept Alucard is my favorite watch, but it's not really a watch I can wear. It's just way too big for me, right? With that said, I got the watch. I got to see the watch in person and I'm was able to appreciate it. All of a sudden, the purple worked on that watch. All of a sudden, when I looked at the craftsmanship behind the Black Panther, the actual figurine that's inside the dial, all of a sudden, that worked, the way it was placed inside the watch. The way the watch sat on the wrist, right? Everything about it, uh, I actually started to like. So what I initially hated on a picture, the minute I received that watch in person, I actually kind of fell in love with it. I'm looking forward to their next collabs and see what they're going to go with, what Marvel figures, what color schemes, etc. And I can see myself wearing one of these in the future. I will have to be honest, though, there was a bit of a bias there, and it's like that for everybody, whether you're a client or a watch dealer. The bias is that when you see a watch do well on the market, well, all of a sudden this thing is trading at you know 100 grand over list, 200 grand over list, whatever it might be. That t- does tend to bias not just a consumer, but also a dealer like myself. But for the most part, as I said, when I got to see the watch, feel the watch, look at the craftsmanship, remember, AP is my number one favorite brand. So you know, I'm also biased in that way. But in person, that watch actually uh, made me change my mind. Uh, one more question I'm going to take from Blank. We didn't say, well, I don't know who it's for, but number five question says, any watches that you hate, like can't stand looking at? <laughs> That's not an easy question to answer. Uh, you know, I am a watch dealer for the fact that I love watches. I love all watches. Anything from a $100 Timex that can, uh, you know, catch my attention to a million dollar paddock or a diamond encrusted Jacob. There's lots of watches that I like from in any price range, any complication, any brand. Doesn't necessarily have to be a major brand. You know, I love watches for what they are, and that's watches. Uh, to pick a watch that I can't stand. Let's go to Rolex. That's right, I said Rolex. And I'm going to generalize this a little bit, and I'll give you a few examples. Uh, Rainbow Daytona. Absolutely love the Rainbow Daytona. Uh, I, in fact, probably my favorite Rainbow Daytona is going to be the two originals that came out, the white gold and the yellow gold. But later, what did they start to do? They started to put diamonds down the center links of a Rolex. You can do the same. You can you can see the same thing on various Pearl Masters. You can see the same things on various Presidents where they ice out the center links. To me, that absolutely kills and cheapens the watch like you would not imagine. So if you give me a regular rainbow daytona versus a daytona that has diamonds down the center links i absolutely hate that about rolex anything rolex that has diamond center links absolutely kills me it makes it makes me nauseous i'll be honest with you because i feel like it literally cheapens the watch the rainbow daytona the accent should be on the rainbow bezel right okay ice out the lugs ice out the case i'm okay with that Specifically, I hate is the diamond center links in Rolexes, be it a presidential, be it a Pearl Master, be it a Rainbow Daytona. If you're going to ice something out, ice out the entire bracelet. The center links for me, and again, this is my personal opinion, cheapens the watch, makes it look ugly, for the lack of a better word. So 
that's the stuff that I can't stand looking at. It also reminiscent of the fact that uh, it could, it's aftermarket and things like that nature because there's lots of Rolexes out there that guys take and they'll ice out the center links uh, with aftermarket settings. And it sort of reminds me of that. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that one. So center link, iced out center links on Rolexes, I cannot absolutely stand. Well, guys, uh, that's the five questions for this Q&A Tuesday. I'm going to sign off for now. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, as always, if you have any further questions for these Q&As, email romansharp at luxurybazaar.com. If there's anybody out there that you think will enjoy listening to these, by all means, please share this to your social medias so we can get this, so we can keep this podcast going. Thank you.